Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, so I'm going to read from uh, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua's in the Old Testament, um, and this is, this is the context of what's happening right here is that we have the nation of Israel is in the process of leaving uh, where they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, going through the wilderness. Uh, this is where, you know, Ten Commandments show up and Mount Sinai and all these things and Moses. And, and they're getting ready to enter into the promised land that God had for them. And, uh, and so they, they're going to begin to come up against in battle people that are inhabiting where God is telling them they can have. And, uh, and I don't want to start preaching yet, but... There are places in your life that God says that you can have, but right now is inhabited by somebody else or something else. And God is wanting you to clear out what is in your life so that you can inhabit what God has called you to. I'm preaching good already. We haven't even read the introduction to scripture. Okay. All right. Starting in verse 1, it says, now, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. And no one was allowed to go in or out, but the Lord said, Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men uh, should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, uh, the ark of the covenant, carrying ram's horns. Right now that would be uh, maybe like guitars and a horn section and uh, drums and all that type of stuff. It says, when you hear the priest give one long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of the city will collapse and the people can charge right in. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I pray that uh, during these next few moments that we have together, uh, God, again, you're, that you would help us because we realize we're not just doing some religious thing right now, Father. Your word is going to speak into our life. It has relevance for our life. Uh, it has truth for our life. And God, it's going to encourage us and strengthen us and even correct us when, if we get off stray. So, Father, I pray that in these moments that we have together, that you would open up our hearts. God, open up our minds in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So the title of today's message, if you're writing this down again, is part two of Speak Life. It is worship up, walls down. Worship up, walls down. Our words have power. We talked about that last week. Uh, your words have power. Proverbs 18, 21 says in the message translation, it says, words kill, words give life. They, uh, they're either poison or fruit. You choose. You have a choice. That's a good thing. Some people act like they don't, but you do have a choice. Uh, last week when we were talking in part one about uh, uh, my words matter, that was the name of that message, my words matter. And, uh, and I have been, I'm not going to put this on anybody else, I'm going to put this on me. I have been so guilty so many times in my life for speaking negativity into my situations or allowing myself to be influenced by negativity or, or not speaking life where I had an opportunity to, to speak life. And uh, so we talked last week really cool about how just the, the power, not even in a spiritual sense, but even in a scientific sense 
of what happens when you begin to speak words, the way that God created us, the way that your brain works, the way that you actually begin to even create, uh, your, your brain begins to create neurons that burn permanent neurons in your brain that eventually even begin to embed in your DNA. So as a, as a matter of fact, you can actually prophesy the word of God and positivity into future generations that don't even exist yet. But on the flip side of that, if we're not aware of what we're speaking and we find ourselves being negative people that are speaking negativity, that are, are, are prophesying, if you will, negative things in life, or just everything's always bad, I'm just always going to struggle, it's always going to be this way. It was that way for my parents and my grandparents, it's always going to be that way for me too. Well, guess what? Now you are also speaking and prophesying those words into future generations. And so we have that choice of are we going to choose life or are we going to choose death when it comes to our words? Uh, but today, that kind of laid the foundation. Today we're going to take it, um, as, they, as they say when I grow up, where I grew up, to a whole nother level. We're going to take it to a whole nother level. That's actually not even a word in there. It's just something that I grew up with. Uh, hopefully you're ready for that. But you are a worshiper. I want you to actually repeat that. Say, I am a worshiper. You are. You are a worshiper. As a matter of fact, uh, worshiping is not even something as a human that we get to choose whether we are going to do or we are not going to do. It's, it's embedded into who God created humanity to be. So we actually can't not worship. So I know like that word that we're in church and we're using the word worship. So, you know, that could mean different things to different people based on your experiences. Maybe when you hear worshiper, you think singer. Maybe you think musician. Uh, maybe you think, okay, worshiping, we're coming to church. Uh, maybe driving in your car. For those, that's, that's me. That's what I think. I'm driving in my car. I'm cranking it. I'm doing worship karaoke by myself. People are staring at me, and I just don't even care. Uh, maybe you think uh, worship. Okay, so I think like super spiritual people. Uh, maybe you think uh, optional, worship optional, uh, personal preference, um, burning man. I don't know. I just threw that one in there. Uh, but everyone worships. It's not a matter uh, of whether you worship or not. It's a matter of what you worship. See, worship is not a Christian thing. Worship is a human thing. Because it's inside of every single one of us. And so I think, you know, you can ask yourself the question, how do I, how do I know what I'm worshiping? And it's, it's actually very easy to, to assess. And it's something that we, every single one of us needs to kind of dive into this privately and personally. Because in Matthew 6, 21 and verse 24, this is Jesus talking. And he says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to a God of money. God uses the, or Jesus uses the term money in this particular passage that he's talking about, but that is interchangeable with anything that has that position of worship in your life that is not God. How can you worship two different gods at one time? And so another question, like how can I tell uh, who or what has my heart, because that's the whole thing right there. Jesus saying, whatever has your heart, that's what you're going to worship. That's what your life is going to be focused on. That's what everything is going to revolve around. And so here are three questions. This is probably, there's probably 20 that we could think of, but here's three. Where do you spend most of your money? Where do you place most of your attention? What or who has your mind most of the time? Who or what are you focused on the majority of the time? Everyone worships. If we're going to do everything that God has called us to do in our families and in our church and in our friendships and in our city and our relationships where God has us, we must become true worshipers who live a lifestyle of spirit and truth worship. Two things, spirit and truth 
worship. Now, in that same passage, Jesus continues to talk in verse 23 and 24 of John 4. And this is what he says. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, so we don't have to wait for it anymore. It's now time. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I love that. The Father, is, he's, he's actively looking. He's looking for people who will worship him that way because those who are able to understand and embrace spirit and truth worship are those that will be able to connect most intimately to the Father. And that's actually his desire for everybody. So it's so important that as a church we talk about this because we don't want there to be different levels of spirituality and limitations on who can get close to God and who can't get close to God. And God doesn't actually want distance from anybody. And so he's laying it out there through his word. He's laying it out there through his church. He's laying it out there through the the words and the life and the ministry of Jesus as well as the way the Holy Spirit interacts uh, today so that you and I, all of us, no matter where we are in our journey, can, can, can kind of bridge that gap when it comes to having intimacy and relationship with God. True Christian worship is spirit and truth worship. Funny story, and uh, I would show you, but I don't want to have like long sleeve and a jacket. Um, back, I grew up in the, in the south on the east coast in Virginia. And what I grew up in, you know, tattoos was not really something that was, it was, it was frowned upon in that establishment. And, uh, and so, but, there, but a couple of people, that was when, you know, I blame it on Alan Iverson. He kind of started the train all of a sudden. They kind of, people started to get more tattoos. And all of a sudden the church like, I got a spiritual tattoo. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, is that okay? Can you get a spiritual tattoo is, as long as it's in the Bible? Like, what's the thing? We started freaking out about that. So finally one day when I, when I thought I was a grown man, I don't know how it was, 27, 28, I don't know how, 26, somewhere in there. I'm like, I'm getting a tattoo. I'm not telling my dad. <laughs> Granted, I'm 27, 26 years old. And, uh, and I actually didn't tell anybody except for like my wife and a couple of people. And, but for me, like I wanted it to be like, like hyper-spiritual tattoo, like significant meaning. And uh, so uh, this, that John 23 and 24, or 4, 23 and 24 is one of my favorite passages because I love to worship. There's something about that that I've, I was raised in an environment where I was taught the power of, of worship and how incredible and like literally life-changing. The most life-changing moments that have happened in my life have happened in the context of worship. And you're like, well, not reading the Bible. I like, no, reading the Bible backed it up. Reading the Bible gave it a sure foundation because worship without a sure foundation can get off. And uh, because we're created to worship. And so if, we don't, if we're not influenced with the right foundation, what we're created to do will take off in a certain direction. But I went and I got this tattoo and I'm like, I'm going to get, you know, because I'm, I'm a hand raiser. I get into it. I'm going to get one arm. One arm says spirit and the other one says truth. Right on the gun show. That's what I was going to do. And I did. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, it's, and my friend who helped me, I, he didn't tell me, like, once you get there, you have to, like, pick out fonts and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, man. Here's a book. And so they give me this book, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting nervous. I'm going to make the wrong decision here. I don't know what to do. And, uh, and so I ended up picking one. I thought it would look really cool. Actually, I still think it does, but my friend's a punk. And uh, if he ever hears this, he'll know, and he makes fun of me to this day because uh, he says that I pretty much picked the font, which is like, uh, like Chinese menu. And uh, so he makes fun of me. I think it's cool. He makes fun of me. Whatever. It's my tattoo, and it's there for life, uh, which I found out doesn't come off. You can't erase it and uh, try a new font. Uh, but I love it. So, but I, I was so passionate about it. Like, I wanted to be a, a spirit and truth worshiper so much that I had it, like, ingrained into my body. And it's only visible when my hands are stretched out in a position of worship. Or at the gym working out, but I wear longer sleeves, and that's okay. I'm not one of those guys. One of those guys. Sorry. Anyway. 
So Christian worship is spirit and truth worship. And this means that true worship, uh, true worship is in our hearts. That's where our spirit is. And that's where the spirit of God makes his home. And so we're worshiping from our hearts to the spirit of God and in our words and actions. That's the truth part. So spirit is worshiping God in our hearts and truth is worshiping God in our words and in our actions, the way that the word of God actually lays it out. Because the cool, this is what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't leave tons of room for us to make up how we think we want to do certain things. I, no, I love that. Some people are like, well, that's just, I think that's putting me in a box. I think you're kind of holding me in. No, that's God giving us borders within which we can go crazy. I love that. Like, God's not like, well, I just want to limit you. Or he's not saying, I just want you to just do whatever, whatever you want. No, he's saying, these are ways that you can worship me. And it may be a box, but it is a huge box. It is a huge box, and we can explore the space. Uh, but if, we, if there are true worshipers, then that also must mean that there is false worship. There can't be truth without, uh, without something that is false, without something that is untrue. A false worshiper is simply someone who is worshiping the wrong things or the wrong person or in the wrong way. Again, because we all worship. Convo Church is just a declaration, and we even like had a sign made so that when you walk in, it's, it's like an encouraging warning. <laughs> you, have you seen that? Attention, this room is full of faith, and feel free in this environment too. We're like... Stand up, clap, shout, throw chairs. No, don't throw chairs. Uh, you know, sing, bow, you know, dance. I mean, we, we get there. Like, we're, you know, I get it. We're, we're six months old today, by the way. Today is our, I call it our half anniversary. Half anniversary. I don't think that's a word. I made that up. But I don't know if, like, do churches do birthdays or do we do anniversaries? I still don't know yet, but I got six months to figure it out, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but we're six months old, and so we're still, like, we have, we have risers that we have to set up every week, and we have chairs and and we have all this stuff that we have to set up and tear down every week. And, and, and everyone in here, like, even if you came on the first day, these relationships are like six months old. So you're still not sure you can trust all the people around you. And like, well, what if I, you know, I kind of want to worship because I can see that's what they're asking me to do and lead me to do. But if I start doing that, well, what's, what's, what's Johnny over here going to think about me? Or, you know, I don't, you know, are they, they know me out of here even though we're not friends. So maybe they think I'm weird. Or what if I'm not, you know, being a perfect Christian during the week and they see me worshiping in church? Are they going to think I'm a hypocrite? Like all these different things that get into our minds that hold us back even environmentally from worshiping God the way that he deserves to be worshiped. But I want to lay out this truth and this thought that, listen, worship is not just something that is a spiritual act. Worship is war. Worship is, is fighting a battle between an enemy that doesn't want you to have that relationship with God, doesn't like, as a matter of fact, he hates you. Why does he hate you? Because God made you. God made you in his image. God loves you. The enemy will hate everything that God loves. And he wants to destroy everything that God created because there's this eternal jealousy of who God is and who the enemy is and the devil wants to be God and he never will. And he realizes I've already lost, I'm a loser and I'm always gonna be a loser. But in the meantime, maybe I can take down as many of these God-created creatures as I can between now and the end. And he wants to remove what God put inside of you to be something that would transform your life. Worship is a lifestyle and it's the lifestyle of a Jesus follower. Worship is not about a style of music. It's not about rock and roll or hymns. It's not about techno. It's not about anything. If it's created and you can put God in the middle of it, get to it. Make it happen. And uh, like I know we, we, we are always going to be a generational church, but at the same time a generational church that appreciates and embraces the new creativity that God is using people to bring into the church world. And so you're like, well, I don't, you guys don't do any hymns. We're not anti-hymn. 
We're not anti-him at all. But we also love to continue to embrace the same biblical truths that have existed through generation to generation to generation that are being expressed in new and new creative ways. I love it. And we're always going to be looking forward at what God is doing and growing off of what was built on in the generations past. But worship is a lifestyle and the lifestyle of a Jesus follower. If you are a Jesus follower, then you need to dedicate yourself to learning how to be a true worshiper. And this is something that has so much power when we begin to apply it to our own lives. Listen, if you were created to do something and realized in the end that you missed the very thing that you were created to do, how disappointing would that be? How disappointing would it be to go throughout an entire life only to get to a place where you realize that as a worshiper, again, because we are all worshipers, that I missed the very thing that I was created to worship. And I don't want us to be guilty of that as a church. I don't want to be guilty of that as a pastor and not leading our church in the right direction. So we're going to be a loud church. Uh, We're going to be, you know, there's not a whole lot of quiet moments in war. There's not a whole lot of quiet, silent moments where, excuse me, uh, uh, excuse me, Mr. Enemy. Um, If you could, uh, I don't want to impose, you know, and that's how we, sometimes I feel like, I'm just like, that's that's how we interact with an enemy that wants to destroy us. We try to be quiet and reserved and polite and, 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 and scared and timid and afraid. And, and my Bible tells me that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so if we are worshiping in spirit, then we are worshiping in power. We are worshiping in love. We are, we're not crazy. We have a sound mind. And that's how God wants us to worship. But it's dynamic and it's powerful. And again, it's not a preference. It's not a style. There are things that the Bible lays out about how and, and uh, different ways that we can worship. But I want you to realize something, that the most powerful person is someone who knows how to worship and someone who knows who to worship. You are dangerous to the enemy. And you are life-giving to the people around you. Even if they don't know what you're doing, they don't know what you're about, when that lifestyle of worship, and again, this is so much bigger than being a church. When you are living a lifestyle of worship before the Lord, you carry that light everywhere you go. You become dangerous to darkness because the word tells us that when light shows up, darkness cannot exist where light is anymore. Try it at home. Turn the lights off, turn on a flashlight. You know, you can still find darkness in the outskirts, but where the light is, darkness had to go. And the same thing happens in our life. The most dangerous person to the devil is someone who knows how to live and fight through worship. Listen, uh, uh, life is a series of battles. Like that's for everybody. And some, some seem to be greater than others in different seasons. But you need to realize that you have the potential to win so much more than you are right now. Even if you feel like you're crushing the game right now, there is so much more potential to take things to another level and another level. We can win as individuals. We can win in our families. We can win in our marriages. We can win in our city. So much more than we are now. And it all is going to happen through the release of worship. And it happens because, one, because we, we, we're losing when we're not aware of what's happening. There needs to be an awareness of the battle that's taking place. Not a fear, but an awareness. When you're aware, then you live alert, right? If somebody was to call you and say, hey, tomorrow, just want to let you know, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, I'm robbing your house. Just want to give you fair warning, see you at 2. You know, it's like, what would you do? Well, probably a thousand different things. Maybe one get out, but you would, you'd call the cops. You would get ready. You would, you would find, you know, a lampstand in your house and sharpen the point of it. You would, whatever it is, you would lock and load. You'd be ready. And so that's how we need to live our life, not scared, but alert, 
Because there is an enemy that when we have our guard down, wants to bring in the, the, the knockout blow. When we are distracted, he wants to bring in the knockout blow. So if we're living an alert life, aware of what's happening around us, it can transform absolutely everything. Be aware of the battle. You've heard the struggle is real. Well, the battle is real. And how we worship will determine the outcome of our battle. There's so much power because even in the songs that we sing, this is why like in my car, probably 90, I don't know, 97% of the time, I'll be honest about the percentage, 97% of the time, I've got worship music playing. And if you've never been really fully introduced to what worship music is now, like out in the public world, now I've grown up in church my whole life. There has been an evolution. <laughs> there has been, if you've been around long enough, there's been an evolution of, of how worship music was back in the day to how it is now. And uh, so like when I'm at the gym, I'm listening to worship music. Well, that's not really pumped up. There's some pumped up stuff. But for me, it's not about pumping up my body. It's about, putting, it's about pumping up my spirit. And when my spirit is pumped up, my body's going to follow. My body's going to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put up a little bit more weight when my spirit is ahead of where my body is. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work a little bit harder. I'm going to be more enthusiastic. I'm going to have more faith for what, it, for what God's putting in front of me. But um, so here, here's a couple, here's tangible stuff. So here are a couple of examples of biblical worship. This is not an exhaustive list, uh, and we're going to put it up. You can even, if you want to take a picture of it when it comes up. But here's a few of them. Uh, raising hands. Y'all seen some people do that around here during worship. We raise our hands. It's a sign of surrender. I've got a few verses up there too. But they're not, again, there's like, I think there was like 150 verses I could have put up there, but we didn't have that much space on our slides. Uh, another one, singing. You've heard we do that, singing. Because what happens when you're singing? You're speaking. Words are coming out. What words? Words that lift up Jesus. Words that make God bigger. Words that come from the Bible. You are literally speaking life. And the way, again, that God made our brains is that as we worship with our mouth, it begins to engage our brains. We begin to create these chemicals that begin to produce neurons. And it begins to not just impact us, but also impacts the people around you. How many of you know that when you stand next to someone who is a worshiper, worshiper, it inspires you to worship? That's not just peer pressure. That is actually science taking place because they are speaking something that is engaging your brain and it is causing your body to want to act in the moment. It's so, it's so stinking powerful. I really love science. Anyway, uh, clapping. Clapping is good. That's another one. Uh, we clap. We do that a lot. And um, okay. Um, wait for the cue. No. But even when you're clapping, like what's happening? You're, again, a sound is being made that is directed towards a purpose. Like when you're clapping, you clap for something. You clap for someone. And so when you do this, guess what's happening in your hands? Your nerves are feeling something that is happening. Your nerves are firing and guess where they're going? To your brain. And guess what's happening? More, more chemicals are being released that connect to the moment and connect to the environment and the experience. Shouting is another one. This is an underrated one. This is one that I would love to see more of in our church, just shouting. In the right time, because you'll even see when they went around Jericho, they were quiet for six days. But on day seven, which for me, I'm just going to interject that Sunday. So on day seven, there was a moment where they shouted. Why are they shouting? They're shouting for victory. They're shouting praise. They're shouting the name of God. And this is what I love. The walls hadn't even come down yet. Some of us are like, well, when the walls come down, I'll start shouting. God would say, why don't you start shouting before the walls come down? The, the, the wind that you want to have in your war needs to come from a position of worship before the outcome even gets there. Dancing. Man, we got, we got to break that ceiling around here. We need to get your, just, get, just need, got to do what you got to do. Anyway, bowing down, like some of those moments where you just, where it's just there's a strong presence of God. And, and it's like, God, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I just, I want to, I want to bow to honor my king. 
And like, these aren't weird religious things. Like these are things that connect us to God in these moments of worship. But here's the last thought, and we're gonna do something here uh, in just a moment. And, um, but your confession becomes your reality. That's so powerful. What you confess, what you speak into life, what you speak into existence becomes your reality. You can either, you can either prophesy the reality of, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just sick all the time. I'm always gonna be sick. It's always been that way. I'm, you know what, I'll, I'll, I've been an addict my whole life. I'm just always gonna be an addict. You know, my kid's good for nothing. He's just always gonna be good for nothing. I hope he doesn't have kids. He's gonna make more good for nothing kids. You know, that becomes your reality. Even if it's not what's happening, it's how you see it and it's how you recognize what's happening. If you constantly talk about how much your job sucks and you hate your boss, guess what your reality is gonna be? Try something this week. Go to work and start speaking life into your office. Start speaking life into your boss. Start speaking life into your marriage. Start speaking life into the things around you and watch what happens. It's not, it's not spooky. It's just the truth and the revelation of who God is and the power of how he made us. What you speak about is what you magnify. I read this scripture last week, Luke 1, 46. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she says this during the encounter where the Lord was telling her she was gonna carry Jesus. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And your soul, your soul is your mind, your soul is your will, your soul is your emotions. It's, it's the part that, the, the non-physical part that everybody still sees. They see the way that you think. They see your emotions. They see, they see the, your, your will and how you carry yourself in decision-making. But listen, what, whatever you magnify is what you will worship. Whatever you worship is what will get bigger in your life. Whatever gets bigger in your life takes over your life. So if you worship your career, it's gonna take over. If you worship worry, worry is gonna take over your life. If you worship another person, it's gonna take over your life. If you worship money, possessions, fortune, success, it's gonna take over your life. If you worship your disease, your addiction, your diagnosis, whatever it is, it's gonna take over your life. But here's the thing. If you worship the true and living God, the King of Kings, come on, the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Messiah, the creator of the world, the one that gave you breath, the one that gave you life, the one that's given you purpose, the one that has called you to greater things than what you're even seeing right now. If you make that the focus and you magnify that in your life, guess what happens? He's gonna take over your life. God's gonna take over. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, that freaks me the heck out. I don't know if I want God to take over and I just want you to have an understanding and a revelation of who God is because God's not gonna come and turn you into a puppet that, that doesn't have a will, it doesn't have a desire. He actually wants to come and fill you with his spirit so that the will and the desire that you already have becomes something that, that amplifies him but something that also amplifies who God created you to be. It unlocks your purpose. It unlocks your potential. So we're actually gonna end differently today because we're talking about worship. I'm gonna actually invite our worship team just to come up this way and they're gonna take their place on the stage and we're gonna practice something. And, and I mean, some of you are like, oh crap, here we go. I, know, I knew this was coming. Now we're not gonna do anything weird, but I am going to create an environment and encourage us to win the battle today in worship. And we're going to practice something now that I want to be done. It's not just a church thing. It's not just a Sunday thing, any of that. It is a everyday thing where you find those moments to connect with the presence of God. Get some worship music. If you don't know what to listen to, come and talk to me. I got a list of things. 
I'll get you on iTunes and Spotify and you'll be downloading stuff in no time and you'll be you know, nailing your steering wheel as you're driving, honking your horn at the Lord, nobody else. People are gonna be staring at you, just wave and uh, give them a Convo Church card. Anyway, whatever. But like it's, I just, I, I, I wish, I always feel when I talk about this subject that there are no words to adequately express the desire and the passion even within me to see that heart of worship come on you. And my wife and I, if we're nothing else, we're passionate worshipers. I'm just so grateful she's got a great voice because if, it was, if she couldn't do it, I'd do it and it just would not be as good. But she's got a great voice, but we've got the same heart, which is, man, I just know that in, in my best day, I don't deserve to have a relationship with God. On, on my best day, I, I, there's nothing that I have done that should make God look at me and say, now, you, now you've earned my attention. Now you've earned my love. I, like even on my best day of, of praying and reading the Bible and talking to people about Jesus and playing churches, like even that compared to who God is, is filthy, disgusting rags. It is the love and the grace of God that outside of what I've done and who I am, he brings me in. And for that reason, I will worship God with everything that is within me. I will look like an idiot if it means I am still worshiping God. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bow down to the standards of our world that try to dumb us down and to tell us, hey, we are your own God. You worship the way that you wanna worship. I don't wanna worship the way I wanna worship. I wanna worship the way that God tells me to worship. Because I know that if he created it, then he's gonna let me know the best way to do it so that that connection, that intimacy between me and the Father can happen. Let me check this out. I'm gonna read this last little, because we didn't really finish the story in Joshua. So let's finish that. And then we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song together. We're gonna worship God. And, and we're not gonna make anybody do anything, but I'm going to push and encourage you. It's a metaphor, I'm not gonna push you. We're gonna push and encourage you to say, you know what? Don't wait, well, I'll fight my battle Monday. No, 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 start today. Today is day seven, I'm getting ahead of myself. It says in, uh, in verse eight, and it happened, Joshua spoke, the people moved, seven priests with their seven ram's horn trumpets set out before God. They blew the trumpets leading the Ark of the Covenant, the armed guard marched ahead, and the trumpet blowing priests, the rear guards, so they had some guards in front, some guards in the back, but they were led by worshipers. Since Joshua had given orders to the people, don't shout, don't even, don't even speak, not so much as a whisper, until you hear me say, shout, then shout away. He sent the Ark of the Covenant on its way around the city. It circled once, came back to camp, stayed there for the night. Joshua got up early the next morning and, and, uh, and the priest took up the Ark of the Covenant and the seven priests carrying the seven ram's horns uh, uh, they, with, with the armed guard marching before them and the rear guard marching after, marching and blowing the trumpet. So on, on the second day they did it, they went back to the camp, they did it again for six days. And when the seventh day came, they got up early. This is the whole nation, they got up early. It says they marched around the city the same way, but seven times. They got their steps in that day. It says, yes, this day they circled the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, the priest blew the trumpets and Joshua signaled to all the people. He said, shout, God has given you this city. 
And it says they, this shout went up from all these people. And, and you got to understand, there were over 3 million people that would have been in this procession. Can you imagine the shout of praise that went up before God? It wasn't just some, you know, uh, Sunday night football, my favorite team's winning type of shout. This was a, God has promised me something. There's an enemy in front of me, and nothing is going to keep me from getting to what God has called me to. I'm going to lift up a shout of praise and let the enemy know that he doesn't have a chance. And it says the walls collapsed. The walls literally collapsed into the earth and they were able to go and take the land. So this is what I want us to do. Again, today's message was worship up, walls down. What walls are in your life? What walls have you been staring at for the last week, for the last years that have been keeping you from being and doing what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be? Aren't you tired of losing that battle? Aren't you tired of just saying, well, it's just how it's always gonna be? I want you to know you don't have to stay in that state. If you become a true worshiper in spirit and in truth, not just on Sunday when the worship's really cranking, but I'm talking Monday through Saturday when everything's coming against you and you say, you know, I'm gonna stand for what the word of God, I'm gonna stand for who he is, I'm gonna stand for who he says I am and I'm gonna worship God no matter what. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.